For the rest of us, if you've got your Bibles, let me encourage you to turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, and uh, today we're going to start reading at verse 45. Let me remind you of what's been going on. At the beginning of chapter 6, Jesus called His twelve apostles to Him and, and charged them by going out and spreading the good news of the kingdom of God. He gave them a message to proclaim, a message of repentance, uh, to, uh, to prepare your hearts for the coming kingdom. He gave them uh, authority over uh, uh, evil spirits so that they would be able to cast out demons in the lives of the people that they, that they found, that they would be able to set people free. He gave them uh, the authority to be able to heal illnesses. And that these 12 apostles went out from there and they did exactly that. They spoke the words that they heard Jesus speaking. Uh, they, they engaged in the activities that they saw Jesus doing. And we saw them uh, just in the last time that we got together where they were reunited with Jesus. And they were so excited. You can, you can almost see it, right? Where they're talking over each other. Well, you should have seen what happened over here. I have this whole family that was under this bondage of these evil spirits and we saw the whole family set free. Well, you wouldn't believe what I saw over there in Capernaum. There was, and they were just going on and on and so excited about all the things that God had been doing through them in the lives of people throughout this world. And they were just excited. And immediately after that, uh, this crowd was gathering. Jesus had tried to get the disciples away so that they could have a time of peace, of quiet, of debriefing. Uh, but the crowd saw where they were and they thronged to him. And we have this uh, amazing account of, of these 5,000 people that have gathered around in this desolate place to hear the words of Jesus to be touched by His healing hand, to, to see all that God is doing through all of their lives. And they get hungry. And there's nothing to eat. And Jesus turns to His disciples and He says, give them something to eat. Now I understand I get it. If I was in the disciple spot and I was in that kind of a situation and Jesus told me, give them something to eat, I would look at the huge crowd, the 5,000 plus people that were there, and I would go, I don't have enough money to buy food for all these people. Besides the fact there is no place to buy food. Forgetting all that God had been doing through them in the weeks previously. Forgetting that, that God is the one who provides all of their needs. And Jesus was here giving them an opportunity to be able to, to see the, the power of God displayed again in their lives in this impossible situation. And all they could focus on is, what, what could I do to feed all these people? And then Jesus does the impossible. 
He takes the, the very meager resources that they had available to them, blesses them, and, and, and feeds this entire multitude of people. Do you think the disciples would have been able to, to do that? Do you think the disciples, if they would have put their faith in God, that when Jesus invited them into that opportunity to see God's power displayed through them, that they would have been able to feed that throng? I think that's exactly what He was doing. I think He was inviting them into that opportunity to see God's power displayed in an impossible way. So then we come to this part of our story here in verse 45 of chapter 6 in Mark. Immediately. You remember that word? We looked at that right in the very first chapter of Mark. That this is the exact same word or the, the, the same form of the word that was part of that prophecy that was fulfilled through John the Baptist that he would prepare the way of the Lord that way they would, he would make straight his paths. The same word for straight is the same word that's being translated here immediately. We talked about how this was straight away. That this was, this was God making the way straight before the people. And we've seen over and over again that we've come on to this. Mark in his, in his gospel here continues to bring us back to this word straight away, immediately. And it's all about Jesus making that way straight in the world so that people would be able to encounter God, that they would believe the gospel and find truth in His name. So whenever we see immediately, we recognize this is Jesus making the way straight. So immediately, He made His disciples get into the boat and go before Him to the other side, to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up onto the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. And, and, and as he was up there on the mountain, he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. Some of your other translations would say that they were straining at the oars, that they were working hard trying to get themselves through this storm. And about the fourth watch of the night, He came to them walking on the sea, and He meant to pass by them. But when, he, but when they saw Him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately, but straight away, he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, and their hearts were hardened. 
When they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret and, and moored to the shore. And when they had gotten out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever he, they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages and cities or in the countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplace and implored him that they might, that, that they might touch even the, the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. You remember we talked also about the, uh, the significance in Mark of the, the journeys on a boat back and forth across the Sea of Galilee. How many different times that that has happened so far. And, and, and just like in, in the, the Greek tales of, of Homer and, and others like that, there, there is this sense in this journey over the, over the water in a boat, there is the, a time of testing. We think of, of Homer and the, and the Iliad and, and some of those other, Odysseus and his, his journey around. And every time he crosses the sea, there is a, a new testing time. And here we see Mark picking up on some of those same sort of images and, 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 and recognizing here in the lives of the disciples that, that when they get into the boat, there's an opportunity for a test for their faith to be, to be tried, to be, to be solidified in, in their lives. And here we have another test for them. It is a, it's such an encouraging picture. Don't you think? Jesus sending the disciples off, and again, remember, it's immediately, it's straight away. He is making straight the Lord's path in their lives. And where does Jesus go? He dismisses the crowd and then He's up on the mountain praying. I don't know about you, that is such an encouragement. To know that when I head out into those times of testing, when I'm faced with the storms of this world, Jesus is up there on the mountain watching, praying, interceding on my behalf. Uh, it's, it's, it's this amazing picture. And, and for, for some of you, you remember here, the disciples have already gone through a storm before on the water, Right? There was that opportunity when there was this great storm and Jesus was sleeping in the boat. And again, the disciples were straining at the oars. And they were caught up in the things that they needed to do in order to be able to survive this, this tragedy, this, this, uh, this uh, 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 torrent that was uh, uh, besetting them. And here they are again on the water, in the boat, in a storm. And Jesus is testing them. Do you think Jesus was surprised by the storm? <laughs> no. He knew exactly what they needed in their lives in order to have the, 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 the path of the Lord made straight in their hearts. And He's giving them another opportunity. Just like He gave them an opportunity with the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus is sending them out 
into this storm that, that he's not surprised by, that he knows that is coming. Sending them out to give them an opportunity to stand up with faith and with confidence in the bow of the boat and to be able to proclaim, peace, be still. You think if any one of them had the guts to do that, you think the storm would have calmed? I think that's exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. They had just gone out on this wonderful adventure of seeing the, the, the power of God working through their lives to, to see the authority of Jesus in, in, within them to be able to, to cast out demons, to be able to preach the good news, to be able to heal the sick. And here's another opportunity where he sends them out so that they can live in the provision and the protection and the presence of God. And what do they do? Forget all about that. And they're straining at the oars. Here's what we got to do, guys. We got to take care of ourselves because we know this circumstance. We know this situation. This is what we do is we need to pull on these oars. And they were straining away, missing out on another opportunity of Jesus, of God's power being seen through them. And so at about 3 or 3 o'clock, 3 a.m., 6 a.m., somewhere around there, the, the fourth watch of the night, Jesus then comes out to them on walking on the sea. Now Mark says something here that's a little bit, it makes you kind of go, what? It says here in, in uh, which verse is that? Verse 48, and he saw that they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And he meant to pass them by. I'll race you. <laughs> Why would Jesus mean to pass them by? Part of me thinks, I, I think this is still Jesus testing them. Giving them that opportunity. You guys don't need me. I'll see you on the other side. I'm just going to get over there and we'll meet and we'll talk and debrief this situation. I, I think maybe that might be part of what it is that's there. But something else grabbed my attention. And all this reminded me of another instance in Scripture about passing by. When Moses was up there on the, on the mountain, asking God, show me your glory. Show me your presence. As, as God was, was giving him instructions about, about this huge task that was in front of them, as, as the, the children of Israel were there gathered at the, the base of the mountain and they were getting ready to go into the promised land and, and Moses was intimidated, but he had seen the power of God and he was ready to go forward. He said, God, let me see your glory. So God hid Moses in the cleft of the rock and then allowed His glory to pass by. Let's just have a quick look at that. That's in Exodus chapter 33. 
just want to read a little bit of this passage here because I think the significance here is, um, is intended. I don't think this is a coincidence of the words that, that Mark has chosen here for us. Exodus chapter 33, and I'm going to start reading at verse uh, 18. Moses said, please, show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, Yahweh. You remember in the Old Testament, whenever Lord is all in capitals, that is using the name of God that he identified himself there at the burning bush before Moses, when Moses said, who should I tell them that, that sent me? God said, Yahweh, I am. Tell them I am has sent you. And that was the name that God chose to identify himself. It, 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 it speaks of God's presence. God's eternal presence in our lives, in the world around us today. It, it speaks of God's redemption. That He is a, a saving God. He is in the business of rescuing His people. And so, uh, throughout the Old Testament, whenever you see LORD capitalized in all caps, that is the word, that's the name of God, Yahweh. And so, here God is going to declare His name before Moses, Yahweh. And maybe let me just also say, when, when the, the Hebrew people, the Jews, read through their Old Testament Scriptures, when they come to these, this is the name that they will not speak. Because it is so reverent, it is so awesome, it is so full of transcendent glory and power. Let's drop down here into chapter 44, uh, sorry, chapter 34 of Exodus, verse 5. Then Yahweh descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of Yahweh. Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands and forgiving iniquity and tra tra transgression and sin. And the glory of God passed by. Going back to Mark. When the disciples are there out in the, mo in the storm, straining on the oars, and Jesus comes out to them, walking on the water, he meant to pass them by, to, to reveal himself as Yahweh, as the God who is present with them, the God who, who, whose nature is to save. It wasn't that God that Jesus was planning on just abandoning them out in the water, out in the storm, but he meant to pass them by, to reveal his glory to reveal His presence with them and to bring them peace. And they were terrified. 
Now again, I, I want to give the, the, the disciples the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure that if I was in that same situation, in a storm, already your adrenaline's pumping and all the rest of that kind of stuff, and you see a dude walking on the water, my mind would be scrambling, trying to make sense of how that was possible, and, and certainly the idea of it being a ghost would come to mind. But they had seen Jesus do a lot of unusual things already. There was already this, this expectation that Jesus was going to be doing the, the unexpected. And when they saw Him walking on the water, I don't know about you, but, but I would hope that my response would be to rejoice. <laughs> Passing me by, showing His glory, showing that He is there to, to rescue me. That would be something that I would, thank You, Lord. Thank You, Jesus. The Savior's here. Everything's going to be cool. But they were terrified. So, once again, verse 50, For they all saw Him and were terrified. But immediately, <laughs> straight away, He spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. This is another one of the reasons why I... I think that connection of Jesus passing them by points us back to that same occurrence with Moses of, of God passing by in His glory and proclaiming His name Yahweh. When Jesus says, it is I, in Greek that is ego emai. Jesus probably wasn't speaking Greek though. When He said it, He would have spoken in Hebrew. And the words that He would have said were... Yahweh. When we went through John, for those of you that were a part of our, uh, our, our church family when we were going through the sermon series in John, we saw this time and time again. All of the I am statements that Jesus made. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And every time that He made that statement, I am a significant one when they were being attacked, when he was being attacked by the Pharisees. And he said, before Abraham was, I am. Every time he made those statements, it was in Hebrew, Yahweh. And the people he was speaking to knew what he meant. Because when he spoke those words, they picked up stones to stone him because he was blaspheming. He was using the name of God for himself. Jesus here, as he's coming to the disciples, and they're terrified, he is passing them by and proclaiming his name, Yahweh, the God who is eternally present, the God who saves. So don't be afraid. Take heart. And he got into the boat, and the wind stopped. 
Now again, I want to give the disciples the benefit of the doubt because I, I know how unnatural it is for wind and waves to stop like that. We were out, Dad and I were out fishing this week in some pretty big rollers and pretty big waves. If all of a sudden everything just stopped and it was glass calm, that would have unnerved me a little bit. But the disciples had gone through this already. They had experienced Jesus standing up in the boat and saying, Peace be still. And yet here, it says, they were utterly astounded. I would hope that my response was to, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. To give glory to God in the highest for seeing His seeing His power at work in this world. But it says they were utterly astounded. And then something else that is like, what? For they did not understand about the loaves. And their hearts were hardened. What did this have to do with loaves? I think it comes back to exactly what we started talking about. It was exactly about the test, the, the, the invitation that Jesus had given them to feed the, the multitude of people. That God had now given them an opportunity to stand up in faith and calm the wind and the seas. And they missed both opportunities. They didn't realize that this was an opportunity for, for them to be able to, to, uh, to see the power of God working through them in the world. That they didn't realize that this was a test that Jesus was offering them to, to step into. That this was a, a place for them to, 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 to be the... The, the, the venue through which God would change this world. And their hearts were hardened. I can understand that. They were thinking, Jesus, what were we supposed to do? How are we? We don't have power over the wind and the waves. They were looking at what they could bring to the table rather than what God wanted to do through them. And their hearts were hardened. The storms in your life, the times of, of great need, those are opportunities that God has sent you out to experience the power, the, the world-changing power of Jesus Christ in you. And so often, we miss it. We think about straining at the oars ourselves. 
to try and figure out how we can get ourselves out of this issue, this problem. Maybe it's it's in your marriage. There is arguments that you've had over the years. There's baggage that has built up over the years. There are those walls that you have allowed to, to be erected between you and it, and it feels like, like it's impossible to overcome those. That you're, you're never going to get to that place in your marriage where you really want to be of that close intimacy, that, that, that united, that those uh, three cords braided together. And you think it's impossible. Maybe it's in raising your kids. You're pulling your hair out trying to figure out how to help these kids make the right decisions in their lives. To, to follow the right path. To, to, to work out of, those, out of their lives, out of the hearts, those, those bents towards selfishness and evil. And you've read all the books. You've tried all of the strategies. You've been straining at those oars. And missed that God has given you this opportunity to be able to stand up in the boat and say, peace, be still. Maybe you've been swamped with debt in your life. That for things outside of your control and some of the, the wrong decisions you've made in your life, that, that mountain has just been too big and you feel that it is absolutely unassailable. Maybe, maybe there has been hurt in your life. Things that other people have done to you that have, that have beat you down, that have, uh, that have uh, forced you into making decisions you would have never done before in your life, that you would have never even considered. And it seems like, like there would never be any, any opportunity that that hurt could ever heal again. And you strain at the oars to try and work it out on your own rather than seeing Yahweh, the ever-present, redeeming God, pass by in His glory in your life and see Him work in in powerful ways maybe maybe you have been overwhelmed by the culture around us all of the 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 ways that that our our society is flinging themselves headlong into destructiveness how they are ripping away the the freedoms of 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 the citizens of this country of this world the, the way that, 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 that leadership is, is, seems to have a, an agenda that, that, that goes completely counter to the values and the things that you hold as important. And it seems like there is no way that that could ever change. Like our nation would ever be able to turn itself around. Or maybe you have been straining at the oars to try and find some of the ways that you can make that change looking at the resources, the things that you have available to you. You've missed 
This is an opportunity that God is giving you to step up and proclaim, peace be still. God sends us out into all of these different kinds of circumstances as an invitation to experience His power, to experience His presence in our lives, to experience His provision for all of our needs. And we are called to just rest in what He has done, what He is doing in our lives. The disciples hardened their hearts, but Mark juxtaposes this perfectly with with the response of the people. And this is, again, something that we have come to, to recognize in Mark's Gospel. is the people that you would think would have faith the people who have been given every opportunity to, to trust in Jesus and believe in Him and follow hard after Him, the, the religious elite, those that, that saw Him make His declaration as the divine Messiah, the one who had authority to forgive sins, and they praised God because of Him. And then He came and undermined their expectations and soon they got to the place where they turned their backs on Him. And, and these ones who should know the Scriptures, who should know that, that the Christ, that the Messiah was coming as the suffering servant, they turned their backs on Him and became the very ones that were trying to destroy Him. The disciples who have walked with Jesus, who have seen all of these amazing things that He has done, and not only seen Jesus do it, but seen God do it through them in the lives of other people. They had first-hand experience of seeing God setting people free, of healing people. All these that you would expect to have faith have hard hearts. And to say, instead, it is the crowds of people. Let's read that again, the verse 30, 53. When they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret and moored there on the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people straight away recognized Him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds Wherever they heard He was, and wherever He came, in villages and cities or the countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplace and implored Him that they might touch even the fringe of His garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Who are you going to be? Are you that person who sees the power of Jesus? Who's let me step back. Are you that person who sees the storms of life? And instead of seeing them as an invitation to walk in the power of God, you see them as another thing that you need to overcome and another, another problem that you need to strain at the oars to be able to get through. That you look at your own resources to see what you can bring at the table to be able to address this problem. Or are you going to be like the people, the crowds, 
who just see Jesus and they have faith. And they rush to him. And they take steps of great faith of even just touching his whole, uh, the hem of his garment to experience his healing presence in their lives. Oh, that we would be like those. That we would have faith and be healed. Heavenly Father, I have to confess that way too often my go-to is to look at my own resources and to see what I bring to the table and to strain at those oars rather than to declare Your power, Your provision, and Your presence in the storms of life that I face. Lord, I'm sorry. I repent of that self-centeredness, of that self-righteousness, that pride that I have. Because Lord, I want to see Your presence. I want to see Your power. I want to see Your provision in my life. I want to see You work through me and change this world. Help us to have that confidence. Help us to embrace those storms of life as, as that invitation that you, are, that you are drawing us and sending us out into so that we can see you pass by in all of your glory to hear your name, Yahweh, proclaimed in our lives. Thank you that, that we know that you're up there on the mountain, that you are interceding on our behalf, and that you will come and you will be with us and you will, you will calm those storms even when we try to do it ourselves. Help us to keep from getting hard hearts but instead in the next to embrace that invitation to take on that challenge. See Your power work in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen.